Hello! Happy New Year! <laughs> Welcome to the Rotten Horror Picture Show, the horror movie podcast where we talk about films off the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. My name is Clay, with me is Amanda. How you doing, Amanda? I'm good. I'm covered in flies and I can't find any buttons on my coat. Sounds like a fantastic New Year's Eve. <laughs> we are back. We are talking today about drag me to hell from 2009 the sam raimi don't mind if i do horror comedy i guess i would call it yes which took me off guard yeah it's um he's very sly with that stuff because it, mm. ma- it makes his movies a little bit hard to define sometimes but mm. we will get into all of the gooey details on that one <clears throat> uh this is a this is number 47 on our list, which is also something we're going to talk about. Yep. With a 92% Rotten Tomatoes score. Wow. With a 62 audience per, audience score. 62% audience score. Huh. Yeah. That's a little <clears throat> backwards feeling. Yeah. It's uh, people, the, the, the critics really like this movie. Huh. Yeah. And the people thought it was fine, I guess. <laughs> I think for once I'm with the people. <laughs> Uh, had you seen this before? No, I had not. Were you aware of it? I was, but mostly based on the extremely uh, 2000s marketing of it, which mm-hmm. makes it look like a much more dramatic and serious movie than I think it actually is. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, Sam Raimi has a very fascinating filmography. Yeah. Because uh, he has the movies that he's very well known for, which are mm-hmm. essentially the Evil Dead movies and the Spider-Man movies. Yep. And then he's got a whole bunch of other like dramas in the middle Yeah. that kind of go under the radar. And then there's this movie, which is not that old, but I also think kind of flies under the radar where like... I, 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 yeah. it's, I don't know if it's one that comes up that often. It's interesting. I, we will get all into all of this in a bit, but like... It's not that old, but it feels very dated. Yeah. In a way. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I can make my argument later. Yeah. I saw this. I'll in... let you do the intro stuff first. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this in the theater, I think. I'm pretty sure huh. I saw this in the theater. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it then. Uh, I am a, I'm a mark for Sam Raimi, so <laughs> that um, it's, it's always going to be uh, a plus for me. But Sam Raimi, super fan over here. Oh, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to play the trailer and then we're going to talk about it. Mr. Jax, I was wondering if you'd made any decision regarding the assistant manager's position. It's between Stu and yourself. Stu Rubin, the new guy? Stu's someone who's not afraid to make the tough decisions. I'm perfectly capable of making the tough decisions. I'll let you know as soon as I decide, okay? Will you help me? Please. Okay. We have an elderly woman asking for an extension on her mortgage payment. We would have to throw her out of her house. We've already granted her two extensions. It's a tough decision. Your call. Another extension is out of the question. Where will I live? I'm really sorry. Never have I begged for anything. But now, I humble myself before you. I beg you. Please let go. Please let go. Security! You shame. Soon it will be you who comes begging to me. 
someone has cursed you is the Lamia, the most feared of all demons. For the first three days, the spirit torments its victims. After that, it will come to take you. Take me where? To burn in hell for eternity. It's coming for me. Please listen to me. There's nothing coming for you. How do I get rid of this? I welcome. You can give the curse away. Okay, Drag Me to Hell, directed by Sam Raimi, written by Sam Raimi and his brother Ivan Raimi, who is also the uh, team that wrote Army of Darkness. Hmm. And this one stars Allison Lohman, Justin Long, Lorna Raver, Dilip Rao, David Paymer, Reggie Lee, and an excellent demonic goat. (laughs) Amanda, what happens in Drag Me to Hell? Christine Brown has a loving boyfriend and a great job at a Los Angeles bank. But her heavenly life becomes hellish when, in an effort to impress her boss, she denies an old woman's request for an extension on her home loan. In retaliation, the crone places a curse on Christine, threatening her soul with eternal damnation. Christine seeks a psychic's help to break the curse, but the price to save her soul may be more than she can pay. Mm. Some good alliteration in that yeah, one. Yeah, I, I thought you were gonna, <laughs> it was going to be seeks a psychic's salvation. Oh, which sounds. Sh- very difficult to say quickly. Yeah, probably, but they should have done it. They should have gone for it. <laughs> we got to make this as Damn difficult it. to read out loud as possible because some, someday someone's going to do it. Look, I like a challenge. Yeah. What can I say? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Clay, some things you'll find in this movie include mm-hmm. the classic. The classic, the uh, Oldsmobile Delta 88, the Sam Raimi car that shows up in all but, I think, three of his movies. It's a pretty great car. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um, anytime Bruce Campbell is on a commentary, he just talks shit about it the whole time. But really? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, pretty it's, great, actually. It's, it's always fun to, to try and see where you can spot it in, mm. in his movies. Apparently. Car cameo. Yeah. Apparently, uh, the rumor is that there is it actually shows up in The Quick and the Dead, which is the Western that he made. Yeah. Um. In that they used the chassis How does of it. That work? They apparently used. I don't know if it made it to the final movie, but they, apparently they used the chassis of it hmm. and built a wagon on top of it. So technically, it's in there. It's just <laughs> not in there the way that, say, the DeLorean shows up in, right. the back, in back to the Future Three. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, well, you'll also find more than one instance of chin gumming. Yes, we've done uh, seventy-three movies. Jesus, really? Plus. Fuck. 24 Patreon movies. Oh, my God. And this is the first instance of chin gumming we have had, for <laughs> better or worse. It's so gross. It's so gross. It's so gross. In a, in, in a way that is so consistent with everything in this movie that I yes. can't help but applaud it. Yes. Uh, going along with the chin gumming, you'll also find uh, bodily fluids of dubious provenance. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just spewing forth from... Every orifice you can see. It's a gooey movie. It's an extremely moist movie. I um, One of the things that did bum me out a little bit, though, is there were a few scenes that I could tell 
that the fluids were fake. It was CGI fluids. Yeah. That yeah, seemed like they were, added them one in post. Or, there were one or two. Uh, yeah. I think one of the bummer. chin gummings involved yeah. uh, fake post-production goo. Definitely the uh, eyeball splatter yes. scene. Yeah. That was, that was some fake goo. Yeah, which, you know, do what you can, I suppose. <laughs> Speaking of which, this movie also includes a Toontown Acme Anvil. Yes. <laughs> what did you say? You said, what in the name of Bugs Bunny is this yes. anvil doing hanging here? <laughs> Sam Raimi is known for his love of slapstick and the Three Stooges. Uh, he, really, and he, really gets, he really gets that in here on this Yeah, you, you, know, you go back and you watch Evil Dead 2 or Army of Darkness, and there's mm. so much, like, so many bits that mm. are clearly... Um, Three Stooges type bits or cartoon type bits, but I don't think he has ever gone so far <laughs> as to have in a suburban California car garage, yes, an anvil suspended in the air with a rope down to the workbench. Oh, and the rope is like along several pulleys. Yes, so she does a whole like her eye traces the rope yes. from like point to point. It's, yes, it's it is a cartoon moment it where was, she's got the big Bugs Bunny eyes. It yeah. was a Roadrunner cartoon. Yes. yes, and I don't know why why it's up there, <laughs> but I'm happy it is. But you're just you're just grateful that it's there. Yeah, I mean, like I I just I I want to know if they wrote that into the script or if they were like, what if we just like have an anvil hanging above her head? That would be fun. Anyway. <laughs> You'll also find a goat demon that likes to slap people. Yeah, great goat. Just slapping them around. Yeah. Lots of thwap sounds in this movie. Yes. <laughs> and uh, you'll find some cat puke. Yes, but we need to be specific. Yes. When we say cat puke, we don't mean puke from a cat. Correct. We mean the act of puking a cat. Yes. At a certain point, uh, Christine vomits up an entire cat. Yes. Cat puke. Cat puke. Yeah. <laughs> And we didn't talk about this one, but uh, I'm, I'm curious. What do you think? Questionable parenting? Ooh. Yeah, probably. Because uh, Clay, and by Clay, I don't mean the Clay that I'm looking at right now. I mean Justin Long Clay. Mm-hmm. Uh, his, his mom. I'm tall Clay. You're tall. He's, he's long Clay. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> Strike that one from the record, please. Um, yeah, his his mom. Yep questionable not not as questionable she, um, as, as she seems i would say questionable yeah definitely in that she has no tact right and lays it on extremely thick very quickly my argument will be though less questionable on the much lighter end of the questionable parenting spectrum than most of the questionable parenting yes. we encounter yeah in justin long seems relatively well adjusted he actually seems like a really nice guy which is kind of fun because i feel like he's playing against the sort of smarmy type that he's usually yeah he's given. one uh he's one rape accusation away from barbarian in yeah. movie, so <laughs> anyway anyway yeah uh so yes drag me to hell um this is a uh, very classic gypsy curse setup mm-hmm. movie where uh, this person crosses a, a gypsy and the gypsy puts a, a curse and they spend the rest of the movie trying to avoid getting destroyed by said curse. Yes. Um, I hope our one patron is listening who really wants to, us to talk about Thinner because this is probably oh, the yeah. closest we're going to get. <laughs> Because this is kind Sorry, of... Sorry, friend. This is very similar <laughs> but, to Thinner in a lot of ways. Yes. Yes. Uh, I think this is a better movie than Thinner, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's 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 an interesting 
choice for a story because it is very it, you know it's 2009 so it's mm-hmm. 10 years ago but still recent or sorry close to say yeah. closer to 15 Yeesh. um but it's a very kind of tropey setup yes. that i'm surprised they played so straight well <laughs> put some quotes around that but you know what i mean like it's yeah there, there's no they are doing this setup because they know how tropey it is yes and they're just leaning into it as far as they possibly can yeah which i mean if i can just jump straight into probably what my main quibble with this movie is which to preface my preface i'm still kind of figuring out how i feel about this mm-hmm. movie like how like did i like it did i not like it so much I'm not, I'm not really sure yet. Mm-hmm. It's kind of I'm kind of on the fence. I think I might have liked it more had it gone a little crazier, a little quicker. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Because like they 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 do, for lack of a better term, play it really straight at first, where mm-hmm. it's this very kind of sincere beginning of oh this girl and she's just trying to you know make her way in the world and be independent and do good at her job. And she's got a boyfriend who she feels like she has to sort of like live up to the social status of. Mm -hmm. And so she makes a decision at work that was maybe not the kindest decision and gets cursed. Right. By like a gypsy Romani woman. The problem for me is that I hate Christine. (laughs) Yeah, that's the <laughs> like, big question we all like, had while we were watching like her it. At all. <laughs> is whether or not we are supposed to be rooting for her. Right. Because, see, the difference between this and, say, Thinner mm-hmm. is the guy in Thinner is pretty objectively an asshole. Right. He sucks. Yeah. And yeah. so it's all sort of reaping what he sows right. with the curse stuff. Right. Um, whereas in this one, Christine. We were trying to figure out if if we're supposed to root for Christine, is Christine actually a good person who just ends up getting punished for making one selfish decision? Mm-hmm. Or are they actually kind of like tricking us a little bit by presenting her as a nice person, but actually she keeps making selfish decisions along the way? Yeah. But I, I couldn't quite track it, whether or not that's what they were doing. So I think... I'm falling in the in the camp of that is what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I think she's sort of not supposed to be a bad person, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, she's not like a, a monster or something. But I think she's kind of a shitty person in like low key ways that everyone does sometimes and people feel like they can get away with mm. that sort of like you know she's she's like moving around in like a gray area of like is this really a bad thing to do does doing something like this make you a bad person yeah but she does stuff like that all the time like if you if you kind of track through the movie and like boil it down to like what is she doing in this scene and really frequently it's like well she's lying Mm. there's a lot like she lies all the time (laughs) Like, about, like, kind of mundane things or, like, she lies to sort of deflect blame from the things she did. She she, bl- she blames her boss repeatedly throughout the movie right, yeah. for why she makes the decision to 
um, deny Mrs. Ganoush her her loan extension. She lies to her boyfriend about whether or not things are like what happened to the cat. Mm-hmm. Is the demon possession over? I don't know if I'd want to tell him exactly what happened to the cat. But... Yeah, I mean, f- but that's the thing. Like yeah. all of this stuff is stuff she doesn't actually want to own up sure, to, which is sure. why she lies about it. Like, yeah, I, I, we I can get more into this later. Let's let's keep moving. Well, no, I mean, because that's that's what's interesting about it. Because like these movies, the way these movies tend to go is there is some sort of um there's generally some sort of either morality play built into it right or on the other hand there is a uh wrongfully cursed kind of thing where yes. there is a um cathartic schadenfreude handoff at the end so mm-hmm. this is this movie is actually a very it's kind of like a loose remake of uh curse of the demon Oh. Which is a movie from 1957, which is based on a M.R. Um, James, I think, story called the sounds Casting right. of the Runes. I sounds, believe sounds right. I think it's M.R. James, no. Mr. James, <laughs> to his friends. Um, and in that movie, it's actually it's actually very similar in even that it ends at a train station hmm. um, and also has a séance in the middle of it. Oh, cool! Um, and it's definitely a movie that the Raimis probably saw when they were growing up. Yeah. Um, it's not officially a remake though, because it's not there's no crediting or anything. But it's like right. clearly this was a big influence on them. And in that movie, what happens is there is a skeptic who gets cursed by this devil worshiper cult guy. Um, and it even it even the way the cursing happens comes down to the passing of of an of an item. Mm. In this in Curse of the Demon, it's a it's a piece of parchment that has you know magic words written on it. Sure. And the end of that movie comes so this guy didn't do anything wrong it's just yeah. that the demon uh the satanic cult guy wants to fuck with this guy and he's like like you do yeah he's like yeah. looking too closely into what he's doing and also he's a skeptic who doesn't believe in magic yeah so, so he's gonna teach I'll, him a lesson i'll show you and that obviously ends up with at the end through some trickery the piece of paper gets handed back to the cult guy right. who then takes okay. on the the curse. The curse, and he yeah. gets you know smashed by the demon at the end. Um, smacked, if you will. Smacked, yes. <laughs> this one kind of doesn't do either of those things. Yeah. And I remember, I remember liking it because of that, because it there's a sort of um, nihilism that runs through Evil Dead, Evil Dead especially, Evil yeah. Dead to a little bit less, not so much in well. Yes, the original ending of Army of Darkness, yes. (laughs) And in this movie where it's a kind of like you can run as far as you want, but you can't escape this thing. Yeah. So she does everything she thinks she's supposed to do, but it ends up not working and she ends up ultimately getting, you know, dragged to hell anyway. (laughs) And I think I I really appreciated that the first time I saw it because I'm like, "That's, that's not the expected way that these kind of stories go. Yeah. But on this watch, I was thinking more about her character and it, whether or not they were trying to be clever. And I honestly, I can't tell. Yeah. I can't tell if she's just supposed to be, yep, she's a, a good person, made one bad decision and got screwed. Mm. Or if they're trying to be a little bit, you know, slyer with it. Yeah. I, I don't know if I, I, I want to kind of give credit and say that I think it's, that they are being slyer with it and mm-hmm. that she is kind of, again, not some sort of like monster, but she's kind of like a mundanely shitty person. Mm. 
like she and I, so I, I want to think it's that because otherwise I, I I would I would be really bothered by the characterization of sure. Christine yeah because there's some stuff they throw in there that if it's just thrown in there because it, it's sort of like well we need to flesh her out somehow or even worse we think this kind of stuff is like funny mm-hmm. then that really just makes me think it's like kind of crappy writing. Mm. So I'd rather go in the direction that they're being a little more sly with it of giving her sort of like morally gray, um, a morally gray constitution and not like kind of on purpose, not coming down on one side or the other of saying, is she bad or is she good? It's kind of like, yeah, no, I mean, she kind of sucks the way anybody can kind of suck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there's all this like background stuff about how, She's Southern and she's a farm girl. She's pig queen. Yeah. Yes. She's pig queen. <laughs> pig queen. And so like, you know, the, the, the portion of the movie that opens on Christine, because there's this like sort of little um, prologue scene. But after after the prologue where we meet Christine, she's in her car and she's listening to like elocution tapes. Right. To get rid of her Southern accent. Right. Yeah. Um, She's clearly kind of striving at work. Like she she's she's clearly like very ambitious. Mm. Like she wants to raise herself up socially and economically. It's, it's, it's pretty obvious. Like she's like that at work. She's really into the fact that she's dating a guy who's like, you know, doctor, professor clay. Mm -hmm. Um, which is how I introduce myself. Yeah. Dr. Professor. Most times. Um, (laughs) she's extremely, I worked very hard for for those, for those degrees. I worked very hard yes. to get those business cards made, yes. so I demand respect. Dr. Professor Clay. Yes. <laughs> um, Esquire. Esquire. Um, but she used to be, like, according to everybody, she used to be fat, mm-hmm. which she's clearly really, like, upset about, you mm-hmm. know? Like, like the fact that she used to be fat is, like, some horrible, shameful secret. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. And she, she just, like... She denies the loan extension when it serves her. Mm-hmm. Then she goes to try and apologize because it's inconveniencing her. Right, yeah. And she never, <clears throat> even when she tries to apologize, she says, well, my boss made me do it. Right. My boss made me do it. My boss made me do it. She says it at least three or four times. Yeah. Like, there's just all this, like, little background stuff that kind of piles up. Like, that, that, again, I'm not saying she's, like, a terrible person. Mm-hmm. But I don't think she's just, like, a good person who made one wrong decision. Right, I yeah. think she makes small wrong decisions all the time. And one person was the wrong person to do that to in her life. Yeah. Um, Cause the thing that I think really convinced me of this is there's the moment where she has um, dinner with uh, the boyfriend's family, mm-hmm. the parents. And I was really ready to hate that sequence. Cause I always kind of hate those like cringy, like secondhand embarrassment. Oh, she's sure. she's going to make a fool of herself in front of mom and dad. Eyeball scenes. cake. Eyeball cake. Yep. Um, but instead I ended up really liking it because there's a sequence where um, she and the mom are kind of having a back and forth and the mom has been very skeptical and standoffish of her and they've just like clearly not been clicking and they, they're, they're clearly getting off on the wrong mm. foot. And the mom, as you mentioned, has no tact. Mm-hmm. So she keeps pushing her about her upbringing. And finally, for one of the only times I think in the movie, Christine's totally honest. And she just says, well, I don't talk to my mom since my dad died because my mom's an alcoholic. Mm. 
And that's when the mother is like, you know what? I like you. Hmm. I like people who can just be honest. You have a backbone. Yeah. Like, and it's the moment where you're sort of like, oh, maybe if she stopped trying to be who she thought everyone else wants her to be, yeah. then she'd be like a good person. But but I think part of this movie is all about her kind of lying and sort of trying to trick her way into seeming like somebody she's not. Yeah. And yeah. that she ends up paying for that. What's interesting about that, too, is with these types of stories, generally, if you have that kind of setup where, okay, this person's been cursed, mm-hmm. they don't think that they are uh, worthy of of deserving of that curse. Right. And so they start trying to find ways out of it. Mm-hmm. Usually the kind of thing that you do is like you present a, an option that they could take that would work. And they just don't, they just continuously don't take it. Right. Like it, cause it, it requires an extrapolation out of, of admitting they did something wrong or, mm. you know, something that would make them lose their job or what, you know, it's one of those things right. where it's like, right. I can't do that. Yeah. I'd lose my job. It's like, well, you're going to get dragged to hell in three days. Right. But they don't really do that in this, at least not as, not as, um, outwardly. Yes. Because I don't know if they're, they never really present a way for her to get out of this. That right. that she just chooses not to take. Like they never give her an off ramp that she just flat out doesn't take. Right. The one she seems like she might not is the making a sacrifice of a, of an animal. Right. She seems at first like she doesn't want to do that. Yeah. And yeah. then she does it. Yeah. It's funny because like I I'm surprised that they they hold the oh well you can just give the button to somebody else thing mm. as long as they do. Yeah. Because that almost kind of feels like the thing. Like, well, no, because that's not an yeah. honorable thing to do. But like, No, but I, I actually think, I, I think I agree with you. I think I would like this movie a little bit more if that possibility was introduced earlier mm-hmm. and you sort of saw her having to consciously war with the fact that, like, she has this selfish drive within her. Mm-hmm. Because I think maybe that's part of what bothers me about her in this movie is that she is convinced she is a good person. Mm. She's convinced she's 100% a good person. Even though when the old lady attacked her before she got she got cursed and she kicked her out of the car, she laughed in her face and screamed, I beat you, you bitch, right. to an old woman. Which, like, I get it, she violently attacked you, but she's also, like, 80 years old. That's true. Like, maybe don't go there. Maybe don't call her a bitch. You know, like you took her house away. Yeah. Yes, she should not have attacked you, but maybe don't laugh in her face and call her a bitch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I think maybe introducing that sort of like, or you could bequeath this button to somebody else earlier on and show her actually kind of struggling with whether or not to do that mm-hmm. a little bit more. I think that might yeah make make me like this more because it would kind of force her into some sort of self-awareness that like maybe she's not as good a person as she thought she was yeah like i i feel like usually there would be a thing where it's like well all she has to do is is say she's sorry right which you know it's kind of hacky but right but still it's like that's the kind of thing that feels like is missing from this yeah and you know as far as the handoff thing goes uh it's interesting because this movie was actually written um shortly after uh army of darkness Mm. um but ended up getting put on the shelf because sam raimi was doing other stuff and i did not pull the whole thing out but i think i remember most of it anyway Mm. one of the things that stands out to me about this movie is the character of stew 
Hmm. Because he seems like he is set up specifically to be the person that she fucks at the end. Yes. Metaphorically, not literally. Yes. (laughs) And apparently, in an earlier draft of the script, there's this insane thing that happens at the end of the movie where Stu... All right, I got to pull it up because I'm not going to do it justice if I just uh, if I just try to. Yeah. What the fuck is it? Um, but while 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 you look for that, I can at least just say that one of the other things that bugged me a little bit about this movie is that I feel like so many people in it don't act like real humans. Like everyone yeah. was a little caricature-y, especially the people at the bank. Her that- bo- her boss and Stu. I feel like that's kind of on par for a Sam Raimi yeah, movie for the Yeah, that's most the thing part. is I, I, I had to try and parse in my head how much of this was just the aspects of Sam Raimi that I don't love yeah. versus mm-hmm. this specific movie. So it says, uh, this is coming from IMDb, mm-hmm. take this with a grain of salt, mm-hmm. but it says the 2007 draft contained an alternate ending which strengthened the role of Stu. After Stu's unethical behavior costs him his job, he walks out with a $20,000 with $20,000 $20,000 embezzled from his and Christine's boss only to be fleeced in a poker game that Stu himself is hosting at his apartment. Then Stu gets caught by his landlord who evicts him for gambling. <laughs> now homeless, besides being out of work and in debt, Stu encounters Clay's mother who hires him to murder Christine. Whoa. So that it will look like an ordinary mugging. Clay, of course, is not to be touched. Actually, Clay's mom has no intention of paying Stu. <laughs> Stu approaches Clay and Christine. This is starting to this is starting to sound like something that happened to someone in real life. Uh, she uh, she plans to have him arrested as a loose end after the job is done mm. at the train station. Stu approaches Clay and Christine when Stu pulls a gun, which Clay recognizes as his own father's, and demands their valuables. Christine gives him what she thinks is the priceless coin. Turns out to be the curse button. All of this suddenly noticed by a passing security guard, whom Stu shoots in a panic. Clay attacks him for the gun, which falls to the ground and fires again, this time killing Clay. Well, I don't like this ending. <laughs> Distraught, <laughs> Stu is dragged into hell just before the police show up. They briefly question the dying guard while Christine sobs uncontrollably over Clay's body when asked if she noticed what happened to the mugger, quote unquote. Chris answers through her tears. Chris? Christine answers through <laughs> her tears that they wouldn't believe her if she told them she's beaten the Lamia curse, but it's, it is a sour triumph. The end credits roll to an Alice Cooper song. Uh, all of this was changed in rewrites. Although many yeah. fans agree that Stu is far more worthy of the titular fate than Christine. Huh. And that's the, that's the thing that's strange about this is because it feels so much like Stu is set up to, to be that fall guy. Right. Which is probably on purpose. Like yeah. it's probably meant to be. You feel oh, like, oh, of course, he's the bad person. Yeah. He's going to get his comeuppance. Because there's always, when there is this element of, um, oh, there's a, a shortcut or a, uh, an answer that I can choose, but you have to fuck somebody else over. Right. That never works out. Like, it's always, when you choose that road, you always end up getting screwed. Right. And thinner, <laughs> what happens in Thinner is, um, he go- I forget who he goes to, but the guy bakes this pie magic pie mm-hmm. out of his own blood or whatever yeah and says uh the curse will be lifted if someone else eats this pie but the person who eats it will die <laughs> and so he brings it home and at this point in thinner he thinks that his wife is having an affair mm. and so he leaves he tells his wife All to right. eat some of the pie and then the next morning he wakes up and his wife is dead but then he goes downstairs to find that his daughter has also eaten the pie. And uh, his daughter is dead. 
and then he's going to eat the pie to kill himself. <laughs> but then right before he does, the guy his wife is having an affair with shows up at the house, and uh-huh. he invites him in for a slice of pie. So, <laughs> so like there, there's always a Just monkey's paw a situation built into weapon. this. And I think that's I think that's what's a little bit uh, surprising is just like all of these traditional things are 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 kind of there, but they're yeah. they're subverted, and it's just like no, she can't, she's not getting away from this, right? Like there's nothing she can do. Which is one thing. I mean, I actually really like that about yeah, this movie. I do too. Like I I enjoy because I kept. I kept expecting it to go, especially after um, Ram Jaz tells her that she can kill a small animal, mm-hmm. and she does. She kills her kitten, and it doesn't work. And I expected it from there, and maybe even after the seance to go to like, all right, well, the kitten didn't work, the goat didn't work. I really didn't want to go here, but the only other way to beat this curse is to kill the person you love the most in the world. Oh, sure, sure. And I thought it was going to be like she had to choose whether or not to kill her boyfriend, and then she couldn't do it in the end, and that was, you know, some other way she magically breaks the curse because she... She'd rather die than kill him, and that proves she's good. Like, I was kind of expecting it to go in that way. Yeah. And I'm glad it didn't. Well, it's so it's so cool because it's like they set up this thing where if she if she hands the button off, then mm-hmm. the, tr- the curse gets transferred, mm-hmm. and they, she has they have the scene where she kind of like looks around this diner, mm-hmm. trying to find someone who is she thinks would be expendable essentially, right? And can't do it, and even Stu comes down. She invites him down with the purpose of giving it to him, and she can't do it to him either. Yeah, and so she actually does have this moment of compassion. But then what does she do on the other hand? She digs up the lady's body and yes. shoves it in her fucking dead mouth. Yes. The woman <laughs> who's just like choke on this, you bitch. Yes, <laughs> she does. Yeah. It's... Yeah. So the woman whose house she took and then whose wake she ruined. Yeah. And who who, you know, this whole thing started with her shaming this woman. Yeah. And then she goes and desecrates her grave. It's which is why it's sort of like a wow, you didn't really learn anything. It did is you? it is kind of fascinating because the whole movie is basically told from her pers- point of view. Yeah. And that point of view is that this gypsy woman is yep. evil. Yes. And has done an evil thing to her. Yes. And so this moment when she digs her up at the end and shoves his thing in her face and tells her to go to hell right. or whatever is this moment of triumph. Yep. And it's not to her the desecration of the grave of the person whose life you ruined. Right. Right. It's so fascinating because I I think that is another kind of key to this movie is the fact that it is from her, her perspective. Mm-hmm. Like she thinks she's a good person and mm-hmm. she thinks she made one mistake and she thinks she doesn't deserve this. And she thinks that, that Mrs. Ganoush is evil. Mm-hmm. And that's it. In her mind, those are all indisputable facts. Where, you know, ask Mrs. Ganoush's granddaughter. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> who she meets at the house who says, you are you deserve everything you're about to get. Mm-hmm. I, I'm guessing she disagrees with Christine's assessment of the situation. <laughs> yes, probably, yes. Um, I, uh... uh there's a great sequence in the middle mm-hmm. where she goes to a seance slash exorcism, yes. which is uh, if you want your Raimi dial turned up to 11, yep. that's the part of the movie you go to. That's where I like my Raimi dial. Yeah. I don't like it, I think, when he tries to, to play normal. Yeah. Like, I think that's where it kind of loses me when we're doing like scenes at the bank. 
you know <laughs> you know well see th- see that's the th- there though too like even those you said that nobody really feels like a real person uh-huh. but that's kind of how the those characters are in his movies they're always yeah. slightly heightened no that's they're true always kind of a little bit goofier or a little bit more um uh loud yeah um so he's the the, the thing is though not always but like in the Army of Dark, in Army of Darkness and Evil Dead, you've got your central ca- figure is Bruce Campbell, uh-huh. who's you know uncanned ham most of the time. Yes, and uh, here Allison Lohman never really changes her approach. Yes, like the the great thing about you could argue that this is actually kind of similar to Evil Dead Two hmm. in the story that they're actually telling. Sure, because. It's about one person who's being driven insane by these demons. Yes. In Evil Dead 2, Ash, you visibly watch him starting to lose his mind. Yes. In this, I don't really get the sense that she's like on the brink. I, I yeah. She always kind of resets. I think that's why I don't like her. Yeah. <laughs> because I think she's, I don't know, she comes off as so like... not unfazed but just just sort of like her her she never goes deeper than that sort of initial baseline of upset Mm, like like not really until the like she's drowning in the grave scene right does she ever get real that's when she goes full ash Yeah. yeah yeah i mean even even that scene in the like shed or garage or whatever it is with with the the, work shed with the work shed with the toontown Mm -hmm. uh the anvil suspended um when all of that is happening before she drops the anvil, the the demon in the form of Mrs. Ganoush has attacked her. Yeah. And shoved her whole arm yes. into her face. Like d- in down into her throat. Yes. And like Fantastic. And, and 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 she just obviously she can't scream. She's got an old lady's like entire forearm down her throat. Mm-hmm. But like she just makes big cartoony eyes and then she drops the anvil on her. The anvil crushes demon Mrs. Ganoush and sprays her eyeballs and some like goop goop bio biological matter all over her face, which then disappears. And she just sort of stands there looking shocked yeah. and then kind of shakes it off to go kill her kitten right? or, yeah. or whatever <laughs> she does next. Like even, you know, she kills the kitten and she buries it in the backyard and then Clay shows up and she's immediately like, what? No. Oh, I, I'm fine. Oh, that was nothing. That was just some tomato soup. Let, yeah. Let's go meet. Let's go meet your parents. It's time to get ready for dinner. Like at no point does she just like scream. Right. Like once all of this stuff is done happening to her, like she never really like breaks down. She never really like has a moment where she kind of completely loses it and is like, I just can't do this anymore. Yeah. I think you could argue that maybe it's by choice that she is what she's doing is actively trying to ignore everything. Sure. But I don't really know if the text supports that so much because, you know, she does have these dreams that she's telling her boyfriend about and they go to see the the psychic or whatever. Yeah. So, like, obviously she's trying to figure out how to deal with it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, like, I guess I just wish I saw more Yeah, me too. from her. Yeah. Yeah. I wish she was played by Bruce Campbell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Campbell would have looked lovely in one of those cute little like Probably, sundresses yeah. that yeah. she has. Yeah, but I, you know, at the same time though, I wonder like, well, I think there's a way you can do it because I, I, everything around her is so over the top mm. that I worry that if she were to start 
trending in that direction, it would be way too much. But yeah. I mean, why stop now? You yeah, know? <laughs> that's I think <laughs> when you've the got thing. a when you've yeah. got a talking goat. Yes, slapping the, the shit yeah. out of people. <laughs> <laughs> when the demon possesses the goat during the seance, and it's just like you. Whore. Yeah, it's I'm amazing. like that's that's great. <laughs> I love. I I wish more movies had seance scenes because they're yes, so fun. They're so great. Like even when when they start the seance, um, because we're 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 initially introduced to this psychic medium in the prologue scene yes. in the sixties yeah. where we get to see her have an initial encounter with this demon. Mm-hmm. And then they go to her house modern day and they set up and they're starting the seance. And instead of the demon coming right away, all of these like restless spirits appear in the room. Mm-hmm. I thought that was great. I did too. Like I like all that stuff. I thought like yeah. building it up, like having, Having some other weird stuff happen first before the demon came was like a cool way to sort of ramp it up. Yeah, yeah. I liked that. I like that stuff too. Um, some of that stuff, and I, this goes for some of the special effects in general in this movie, yeah. were a little bit wonky. Not sure. Not that they like were objectively poorly done or anything, but I was just like, they seemed a little too slick for me. Yeah. Like when those go- when the ghost showed up, it was very much like a... CGI ghost coming towards you out of the camera, and I was like, sure. I don't know. I think there's a creepier way you could have done that. <laughs> well, I, I'm I like the concept. Oh yeah, more Concept's than I like great. the execution. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I I really like seance seance scenes. I'm mm-hmm. really looking forward to when we do the changeling, which I mm. can't remember if that's actually on the list, but I'm probably gonna, I'm definitely choosing that if it's not. Yeah, uh, this changeling has a great seance scene. Um, have you ever been to a seance? no but i i would love to do so yeah i just don't know how you find i don't know it's it's funny because i would want to i would want to go to one where the people took it seriously Mm. but i don't want to go to one like i'm sure you can book one in salem in october that's like super over the top and you've got like a madame leota cosplayer leading you yeah like i'd want something done by people who are like otherwise pretty normal <laughs> do, you, do you know right what I mean? yeah but like not one that when you get in there is like this might actually just be a swinger party right yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's tough to find that balance where you, yeah. you don't want it to be hokey but you also don't want it to be like a sexual harassment lawsuit yes. yeah. actually well, i have not been to one mm. um I would actually really like to see. I don't know if there's anywhere that does this. Hmm. I would like to see the turn of the century Victorian era seance where it's like you know they're doing the the rapping and all. Yeah. The, like, I want to see what that was like. Almost more like a like a like a well done reenactment. Yes. Yeah. Like I want the Madame Leota cosplay yeah. like coming out of, <laughs> oh, from, the, well, from the side of the I, wall. I, I as want the spirit her if of she's my dead like. Grandmother. <laughs> If it if it's like period accurate yes. to back when American spiritualism was a big thing, I'm all for that. I'm thinking more of like the Dis- I don't want like the Disneyland. Version, sure, yeah. You know? I want low light. Someone yes. pulling exoplasm out of their mouth. Yeah, or I want it to look. Like, I want it to look and feel as close to the scene and towards the end of the movie, the others as humanly possible. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think I. So I'm not totally sure about this because I need to look into it more. But mm. um, the Stanley Hotel in yes. Colorado, the hotel that Stephen King based the Overlook on. I'm sensing a road trip. I I would love to go out there. 
I believe does some sort of seance show in the hotel. I buy that, yeah. And I'm not sure if what they do is what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. but if that is, mm-hmm. then I'm, I want to go. Yeah. Uh, there is actually, so I was, I for a while um, was working on this story that I wanted to do, <clears throat> still would like to do eventually, mm. um, that was kind of a mix of Harry Houdini and H.P. Lovecraft. Oh. That centers on this, uh, this uh, medium, spirit medium mm. who... Um, Houdini has never managed to actually fully debunk mm. and so ends up you know there may be a reason for that yeah um, and so I was doing a lot of uh, of research and stuff about about spiritualism I actually have um, uh, our friend's ex-girlfriend from years ago who I don't think you ever met okay um, <laughs> took a class on spiritualism mm-hmm. when she was doing her master's I think cool and she gave me her entire class reading packet, and I have it in my bookshelf right oh, behind you. Shit. And I have not read all the way through it yet, but. <laughs> I can send you my paper on, um, like, spiritualism and stuff that I wrote for, like, an American folk literature class or something. Please do. Yeah. I actually have a book, too, called um, A Magician Among the Spirits, written by Harry Ooh. Houdini, that is essentially 200 pages of him just, like, ripping yeah. mediums. Yeah, just feeling. And another yeah. thing. Um, where was I going with this? Uh, Oh, seances. So, and I came across this thing. There is apparently, I got really excited for a minute because Mm. there's apparently a small town in like very much upstate Western New York. Oh, I know the name of this, but I cannot remember it. Yeah. And it's a town of psychics. Yes. And spiritualists. Yes. And people go there. It's like like the, uh, the Northern version of Casadega. I don't know what that is. Casadega but I'll is a, say very, sure. a very similar town in Florida. Oh, okay. Yes. Mediums, psychics, American spiritualism, the works. Yeah. And it's yeah. been that way for like 100 years or something. Yep. And so I was like, oh, that's awesome. I want to go out there. They must do this. But no, they take it too seriously. It's... I was going to say they're sincere in their beliefs. Yeah, yeah. which is fine. <laughs> I have such a conflicted stance on that stuff. Yeah. Because like on the one hand, if you're not hurting anybody- yeah. And you're helping people kind of get over stuff. Sure. What's the problem? But on the other hand, if you're just grifting people for money and using their grief as sure. a monetary device. I mean, I, I think if, if, if the model of business is we sit in our town <laughs> and you come to us mm-hmm. asking us for this. Yeah. Then that's less grifty. Sure. Because it's just sort sure. of like, look, we're not coming up to your door or, or showing up in your church or, or whatever trying to convince you that this is real yeah if you want to seek us out you know people can do what they want with their time and money yeah i'm kind of curious about it because w- i'm curious how i would respond to it mm. because i remember um before my grandmother died a handful of years before my grandmother died she actually did i guess she had done this multiple times but she had had a psychic come to the house oh and do like a reading or whatever and this guy was like oh yeah your husband says hi and all this kind of stuff and i was when they when my dad or whoever told me that i got like mad interesting because i was like you know i don't know it felt it felt exploitative to me sure just like from a moral standpoint but at the same time because you're looking at it as you know this is my grandma right who's taking advantage of my nice little old grandma but at the same time like if she's doing it for entertainment or whatever or right or if it brings her some sort of peace yeah like how could i really you know 
be mad about that. But so. it is it is a tough it is a tough question. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's not a black and white issue, especially when it's like your family and your loved ones and somebody purporting to be able to pass on messages from your departed grandparent. Like, right. Then it starts to feel personal. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm like, why are you fucking around with my family, stranger? Yeah. Who just showed up in my nana's house? Yeah. yeah. All the all the ones from the turn of the century, though, mm. all grifters. Yes. Like <laughs> the intensely. Fox sisters, all, the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't think that they were as bad as some of the other ones because, like, I think they just got out of hand with I was, them. They, with them, it's tough because they were so young. Yeah. Like I know back then, you know, when you were fourteen, it was the equivalent these days of being like twenty-eight. But like. Yeah. <laughs> they were still like young girls. They were right, like 10 yeah. and 12 or something like that. Like yeah. it's it's tough when you look at it from that point of view. Yeah. Then they're making all this money and there were adults in their family telling them to keep doing it and yep. it's a whole thing. A lot of the other ones though were like, you know, <laughs> let's just put it this way. They tended to be uh, younger, more attractive women. Yes. And uh, some of them would be like live-in psychics for rich guys. <laughs> And some of them could also uh, manifest ectoplasm uh-huh. from orifices. Yep. You pick. <laughs> they will pull it a out. A ghost hand from a place you don't expect to find a hand. Yep. Yep. Um, We've gotten way off track here. <laughs> I. That's fine with me. I'm very fascinated by this whole thing. I read this biography we, of Houdini. We gotta have a whole spiritualism episode. Yeah. I, yeah. I read a biography of Houdini that was the first time I actually like learned about this stuff and i was like Mm. this is so fascinating yeah because it's like at a certain point you've got people who are people like arthur conan doyle oh yeah like legit beliefs this shit absolutely yeah he was a true believer yeah but on the other hand it's like you've got houdini talking about like these people are so obviously scam artists (laughs) and those two guys were friends and so like Arthur Conan Doyle is like, come over, I'll introduce you to this legit psychic. And Houdini's like, she's a fucking fraud. I know how she does everything she does. And he's like, I, which, you know what? I'm not going to take that personally. Yeah. <laughs> You're still my bro, yeah, bro. Yeah, it's so fascinating. Yeah. It's so interesting. It really is. And especially because Such he- Such big characters involved in all of it. Yeah. Like, yeah, the personalities on all the people- either being the psychic mediums or the, or the people who were promoting it, like, yeah, they're- Arthur Conan Doyle and Houdini. Yeah. Yeah. And I always found the Houdini thing extra fascinating because like part of the reason that he was able to expose these people is Mm -hmm. because they were doing shit that he did when he was younger. Right. And so like he had this sort of like ethical come to Jesus moment about it. Which is so weird because it's like, yeah, my dude, but you still made your fame and fortune off of the same type of tricks. Right. So why are you acting like you're so much better than these people who were by by and large young women? Right. Yeah. Like why is it okay when you do it but not them? Right. You're kind of doing the same thing. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Especially hope- since after he died, his wife kept having séances for like years mm-hmm. because he was like, "I will con if it's real, I will contact you." Mm-hmm. She got kind of ri- well, I don't say railroaded, but she was not doing that entirely because she was trying to contact Harry. Let's put it that yeah. way. Um, Segway. Speaking <laughs> of that. <clears throat> Seances. Uh, some of the critics of this movie complained that this was a misogynistic backlash type warning to women not to be too ambitious. That women have to stay in the helper servant type mode. And if they try to get competitive or flex a little corporate strength in the office the way that men do all the time, they will get sent to hell. 
Uh, hard disagree. Yeah. <laughs> because like nobody ends up happy in this movie. Right. <laughs> you yes. know what I mean? Like it's not like Stu gets the promotion and goes on right. to a great life. Yeah. Like he he gets caught doing stuff that's illegal and gets like the authorities sicked on him. Right. His life is ruined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I think that's that take is not quite taking into account how nihilistic the movie actually is. Right. Where I think the point is because it opens with the uh, fucking nine-year-old being dragged to hell. Yes. <laughs> that it doesn't matter who this person is. Right. They cannot escape this fate. It doesn't matter what they've done. Yep. It doesn't matter what they haven't done. If they get cursed, they're screwed. Right, right. Where it's like these powers are sort of beyond a sort of surface level moral morality where it's like, well, you could never do that to a child. Children are innocent. It's like, right. nope, this is just how the curse works. <laughs> In a weird way, I feel like it reminds me of The Ring. Yeah. You know, where it's like you watch that movie, you're cursed, you're going to die in seven days. The end. I know in the end of that movie, they do find like a loophole for it. Yeah. Of that's, how to like pass kinda, it on. But that's that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Where yeah. it's like there's, this one doesn't have that sort of, well, I guess it does, but she doesn't. It, she fucks it up. Yeah, she screwed it up. <laughs> Because that's the ultimate irony in the end of this movie is it's it's not even that her plan doesn't work. It's that the envelopes get switched. Right. So like we don't actually know maybe her little loophole of like you can gift this button to the dead person. Maybe that would have worked. Right. Yeah. If she hadn't screwed up and, and not checked inside the envelope first. Yeah. Which always confused me. I, all I'm going to say is would have done it right if it was a man. <laughs> At least that's what I've well, learned from the movie. That's what the movie fun, taught me. Everyone, this podcast just, series is over. This is the text, Amanda. Okay, <laughs> this is what the text is saying. Uh, so Sam Raimi is a misogynist, is what you're saying? No, it was his brother. <laughs> <clears throat> Ultimate Sam Raimi fan over here. Yes. Cannot no, speak I do, ill of the master. I do, I do love Sam. <laughs> like I, uh, he has such a unique style. Yeah. That. Whenever it comes out, it makes me happy to see it. It does take some getting used to. Oh, though. definitely, like, absolutely. Like I needed a, a solid half of this movie to sort of like remind myself because, like, I don't watch much of his stuff very mm-hmm. often. Yeah. Um. So I had to kind of remember, and then actually, the most recent Sam Raimi movie I've seen is uh, the Doctor Strange movie yes. that he did. Loved it. I know, um, I know you didn't like it that much. I but, didn't like it that much, yeah. but I but my quibbles with it were actually less about the Sam Raimi of it sure, all and sure. more about pacing and, and what they did with Wanda. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different podcast. <laughs> um, but I remember even watching that one. Because that it, one was a misogynistic backlash yes. to, uh, towards women to not be witches. Which is, which is bullshit. <laughs> we should all get to be witches, anyway. however much we want. Um. But yeah, I, I like needed I needed some time even watching that one to be like, I remember this is a Sam Raimi movie. Yeah. <laughs> like That's... just just let it go, kind of go along for the ride. Yeah. And just accept that this is how people behave in I was, Sam Raimi movies. I was a little surprised at how quickly it goes so far over the top. Cause that scene with mm. her in the, the parking garage where she gets jumped in the car. Yeah. They go from like zero to sixty. On oh. the Sam Raimi stuff, yeah. like, immediately. Yeah, I mean, well, this isn't really a Sam Raimi thing, and this might make you kind of laugh, but, like, when when 
Mrs. Ganoush from the back seat grabs her earring mm. and is pulling at her earring. I cringed so hard because you, sir, do not have pierced ears. No, I do not. But anyone out there who's who has a piercing pretty much anywhere, if you get that motherfucker caught on something and don't realize it and like turn your head or whatever, it is the most painful sensation. <laughs> and so just seeing her get that pulled, I was like, oof. Fuck. Oh, God. Yeah. Ow, ow, ow. And then pretty quickly it goes into her, like, the, the car is moving and the old lady gets thrown from the back seat into the dashboard mm-hmm. and her dentures pop out onto Explode. the floor. Yeah. And then we get the chin gumming. Chin gumming. That's the first instance. Get a ruler gumming. in the mouth. A ruler uh, in the mouth? That doesn't stapler, hurt her. Stapler in the oh, eye. She staples her eye closed. And then, and then, when does the staple come flying out? She does something where, like, it's yeah. all, it's all slapstick yes um and uh it's so interesting watching him balance that stuff because Mm -hmm. uh i don't like i really enjoy this movie i don't know if it is it is as balanced as some of his his others have been yeah um like his spider-man movies are quintessentially sam raimi movies Mm -hmm. but i think he has a better balance on the stuff in that one yeah like you watch the first Spider-Man movie, you can tell, okay, this is him, but it's not like you're not really getting the full the full juice. Spider-Man 2, there's that scene where Dr. Octopus's arms comes al- come alive and he starts doing the like the the camera turns and like quick zooms and the hand oh, looking over the thing and holding yep. the, the chainsaw <laughs> stuff. And I was in the theater just like clapping <laughs> as I was watching Doctor Strange. <laughs> When I saw Doctor Strange, everybody was was clapping for like, oh my God, it's Mr. Fantastic. And I was clapping for like Dutch angles and snap zooms to closing doors. I was like, yes. Um, It makes me happy to see how happy this makes you. I just, I find it so enjoyable because it is so unique. Yeah. And it is, it is, you can tell that he has a ton of fun doing that stuff. Yeah. And I mean, you know, part of that is he has a ton of fun torturing people um, by just, covering them in gallons of goop but But at the same time you know there is still a in a lot of ways he's kind of like the anti-michael bay okay interesting not this isn't it's not the best comparison but i'm not great with directors but i'm thinking of somebody who has like you know a very recognizable like Mm. when, when you watch a michael bay movie you know it's like this is a michael bay movie sure sure and michael bay takes everything so fucking seriously Mm-hmm. He does the most over-the-top explosions and and crazy chase scenes and whatever, but no one is having fun. None of it really is fun in I, so many of his mm, movies. I would push back on that a bit because I do get the sense that he is having a great time. He might be, but I don't know. There's just, I guess for me, when I watch like a Michael Bay film, there's something joyless about it to okay. me. Okay. Whereas when I watch a Sam Raimi fil- film, I'm just like, oh, okay, this is kind of batshit crazy. Yeah. But it's still weirdly well-crafted and, like, inventive in a way. Yeah. And I, I appreciate that more, you know, is I guess what I'm saying. I think the difference, uh, <laughs> I didn't expect to be having doing a Sam Raimi versus Michael Bay conversation, <laughs> but we're here. I am here to keep your life interesting. I think the difference is, I think they're actually a lot similar mm. than than you think. But the difference is that Michael Bay's humor 
Michael Bay's movies are cynical humor mm. and movies that tend to ultimately be uplifting at the end, whereas mm-hmm. Sam Raimi's movies are tend to be joyfully humorous. Yeah. In movies that tend to be nihilistic in, in what they're saying at the end. Sure, yeah. Because, like, the, 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 the silliness of this movie mm. is then tempered by the darkness of the ending. Right. Whereas you've got something like Bad Boys 2, which is one of my favorite action movies ever, but is... I do tend to forget that he did Bad Boys too. Yeah. But is extremely cynical in its humor. Yeah. But ends up with, a, like, a happy ending, yeah. you know? That's so interesting. They're sort of on, like, a like separate seesaws. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I would say... I would say Sam Raimi might be, like, the the opposite of, like, Rob Zombie or something. Where I... Any Rob Zombie movies, I just... Sure. That's another one where I kind of feel like he might be having fun, but it's not the kind of fun I want to have. <laughs> and I find them very dark and yeah. cynical and like they not are, enjoyable. They are kind of miserable movies. Yeah. Yeah. They're a little bit misery porn. Yeah. Yeah. The one time he tried to have slapstick was the Munsters movie, and I did not like that I one. I didn't see that one. Not a fan. Okay. Anyway. Um yes. Is there anything? Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap it up? Pretty much that I want to le- live in Sean Sandina's house, the, the the psychic medium. Oh yes, that's an awesome fucking house. Yeah. Speaking of Bad Boys Two, <laughs> I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think her house might have been the bad guy's house in Bad Boys Two. I'm imagining that house is in a lot of stuff because yeah. I think it's an actual house in L.A. Yeah, I think it's cool in house. a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah awesome house you know they actually blew up a mansion in i think brazil or possibly cuba or something in bad boys 2 there was a there was a was it it might have been la anyway there was a mansion that was owned by someone and it was like went into default and nobody owned it and so it was this like unfinished massive mansion Mm -hmm. and so they bought it and they they wrote it into the movie as being like, oh, this is the guy with a bad guy's unfinished mansion. Yeah, and they just blew the fuck out of Damn. it. It's it's awesome. Bad That's Boys Two is amazing movie. <laughs> um, and then they do a car chase with Hummers through a shanty town, and like that's the kind of humor that I'm talking about, where it's like this is an amazing action scene, but what they're doing is incredibly cynical. Okay, yeah, you know? yeah, I see it. I see it. Anyway, you've converted me. <laughs> um, I guess I did. I did just want to highlight the ending of this movie a mm-hmm. little bit. Because I really like it. Yeah. Like, I really like... It's bleak as hell. Like, literally. Because she goes to hell. Um, but I really liked it. I feel, I feel like the movie earned it. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I appreciate that the movie didn't, at the last minute, flinch away from the ending that would have made sense for it. Because mm-hmm. the whole lesson of the movie is that you, you cannot escape something like this. Yeah. That, I- that's the whole push of the movie. And, and it, I feel like if they had pulled it back at the last minute, it would have... It would have made this movie feel much more commonplace. Yeah, I agree. I I remember being surprised by the ending a bit, but watching it now, I'm thinking like, I don't know how else you end the movie, right? Because like the the, I mean, maybe that's that must be why they play the grave digging sequence the way that they do, hmm. because it is played as this triumphant moment. Yes. For her. Yes. And I think they're trying to lean into it being like, we need to convince people that this is her actually winning. Yeah. And so they're not expecting the next bit. 
Right. I do. I do think as far as the the setting up and the paying off of the button in the envelope, uh-huh. very well done. Like they yeah. don't telegraph it that much at all. Yeah. Because they do the coin like in the first scene of the movie almost. Yes. And then they do the button just kind of like offhandedly, having not mentioned the coin for a while. Yep. yep. It's and very and, good. and when when it falls amongst his other papers in the car, it makes sense because he's a professor. Right. He's Dr. Professor. <laughs> so, of course, he has papers. It's 2009. People still printed things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't see a bunch of... It's not like she drops it into a bunch of sealed white envelopes. Right. You don't see any others. Mm-hmm. She finds it in the car and that it seems to be the only one there. But it also... Yeah, it was a pile of papers. It makes perfect sense he'd have it in there. Yeah. Shows yep. how much he appreciated that gift that he didn't open. And it's just been in his car for like three days. No, it had been in his pile of papers. Oh, it was in the important papers. Yes. So that shows his important that she does. doctor, Dr. Professor yes. papers. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I love I I love that there's even this kind of jaunty moment where she's kind of like prounce like prancing through the the train station looking all cute mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she goes up to the to the store and she makes this poor retail worker open early so she can buy a coat. Right. Um, which as a former retail worker infuriated me and added another tick in my I think Christine is a bad person box. Yeah, that is, she does She does end up just doing a lot of shit like that where it's yes. very like Karen type stuff. Yes, yes, like low key but and cheerful but also acts like, I don't understand why this would be a big deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I love it because it does make it <laughs> seem very much like she's going to get away. Like they're going to get in the train together mm-hmm. and they're going to kind of ride off into the sunset. As a former retail worker. Yes. Where do you My stand? My trauma runs deep. Where do you stand on people on... on Tapping s- on the window when I'm trying to get ready for opening and no. insisting that I open f- just for them? No, the opposite of that. When oh. technically you're still open for 10 minutes, oh. but you've already locked the door. Uh, well, we weren't allowed to do that. Oh, well, that's good. Cause, cause you shouldn't do that, right? When you're still open for ten minutes, we were not allowed. If to it's lock nine, the door. if you close at nine, and you get there at nine fifty, you should still be able to go in the store. You mean if it closes at ten and you yes, get there at yes, nine fifty? Yes, 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 yes. If, yeah. if, if it closes at nine, you get there at nine fifty. You can fuck right off. Right. Um, no, I mean you can. Do I think it makes you a bad person? Yes. <laughs> to to go in 10 minutes before closing if you're going in just to browse just to like fuck around and well, wander around then yeah you're kind of being an asshole what if you're you have a specific thing that you're going there to get so like you've you're you've got okay you've got to get one thing yep open for 10 minutes yep but the door is closed and locked no i mean that's you, you yeah that's not fair yeah i agree i agree with that i think if you're if you're going somewhere and it's like I'm I'm desperate. It's pouring rain outside. I just need an umbrella. I just want to walk in and buy an umbrella. Yeah. Then yeah, they should have let you in. What if it's something that's like a lot lower stakes than that? <laughs> I'm sensing an ulterior motive to this line of questioning. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> um, this is number forty-seven on our list. Uh, do you think this is too high, too low, or would you remove it from the list completely? This is too high. This is this is shockingly high. This is shockingly high, and I'm not here for it. Yeah, I I I, I think the more I, the more I think about this movie as a Sam Raimi movie specifically. God, your dog is so mad that I don't want this to be number forty-seven. This is his favorite movie. He just glared at me so hard. Oh, and now he just turned away from you in disgust. No, it's because he looks like the goat in the movie. <laughs> And so he's like, this is where my cousin, the goat, 
appeared. Mm-hmm. How dare you disparage my family's legacy? Um, yeah, I think this should be in like the, I mean, the the bottom one hundred, the bottom yeah. fifty, maybe. Yeah. Like, I'm fine with it being on the list, but I just forty seven seems insane. Yeah, I mean, we're playing. If we go back to our game. We're playing the Shining game. Right. This should not be higher than the Shining. No. No, it should not. Or Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Or nope. nope. Or Black Christmas. Black Christmas. Or uh, the Evil Dead itself. It's higher right. than that. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, and Evil Dead 2. That's insane. So, you know. I don't buy it. Yeah, I don't understand the list, but, you know, that's that's where we get our uh, our conversations out of, so. Yeah. Wow, Revenge is on this list? That's pretty that's I just saw the, high. I just saw the Love Witch, which just got rid of one of my wild cards. Oh, yeah. Love Witch is on there. Damn. Have you seen that? I have. Yeah. Did you like it? I, I did. assume you did. Yeah. I, did. I didn't hate it. <laughs> it's kind of long. It is kind of long. It is kind of long, but I liked it. Well, we'll get there eventually. But we will. Not next week because I've oh. hit the randomizer button. Beep, boop, boop, beep, boop, 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 boop. And we have landed on number 55. Oh. Is that right? 55? 55, which is La Llorona, a oh. Spanish horror movie from 2019. I have wanted to see this. I have as well. I have not seen it. Neither Looking forward to it. Um, so, yeah, that's what we'll be doing next time. And until then, if you'd like to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske file and sign up for that where you can get not only the 12 episodes that Amanda and I did two years ago covering the Friday the 13th series. Listen to me slowly go insane. <laughs> Not only last year's second string of Stephen King series where we did 12 of the (laughs) finest Stephen King movies. And by finest, he means most fine. Yes, most fine. Yeah. Uh, But you can also get in right at the beginning of our 2023 series, which is a uh, curated list of 12 movies off the infamous Video Nasties list. January will be our first one, and we are doing Dario Argento's Tenebrae, which I am excited about doing. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for the support. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Clay. We will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.